right. So we have got a huge talk to, to go through uh, tonight. The Temple and Your Spiritual Foundation. Uh, this is from October 2021. And it is a powerhouse of a talk. It has so many footnotes. There's almost more footnotes than there are actual talk. So just opening it up, what did everybody study and gain from uh, looking at uh, reviewing this talk again? It was an awesome one. And if not, I've got a lot. So <laughs> I was uh, I was taking uh, where he talks about uh, it's now time that we implement extraordinary measures, perhaps measures we have never taken before to strengthen our personal spiritual foundations. Unprecedented times call for unprecedented measures. And uh, I think if if you're asleep and listening to that, you probably didn't understand what he was talking about. But mm -hmm. what we've been studying, it's pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, he's he's using all the right words and telling it straight as it is. Yes, he is. What um what what uh verse was that? Ten verse seven. Yes, I knew I have underlined, but I couldn't remember where it was. Yeah, it's the bottom half of seven. Mm-hmm. And isn't it interesting, like unprecedented times call for unprecedented measures. So like what is unprecedented? Like, what does that mean? It, it means that it, it doesn't have any sort of historical precedence, right? And so like, I don't know, isn't everything a, a, a pattern? Doesn't it always follow a type and shadow and stuff? Um, as we've learned through Isaiah and, and all scriptures, right? How everything uh, repeats in the end times. And so the fact that he's calling it unprecedented, uh, saying that uh, we've never seen some of these things before is quite interesting. I, I love that. So what would those look like? Unprecedented things? Yeah. Well, I have not seen before. Like sometimes I just have a really hard time thinking out of the box. Mm -hmm. uh, this Doing something like this is unprecedented for me. <laughs> spending Isaiah <laughs> and getting together and on a book club and that's for me that's an unprecedented measure mm -hmm. yeah and so like what sparked that like you know we have uh COVID yeah. and that downtime that that happens you know but you know we've had lots of different plagues and <laughs> things throughout the, the history of the earth but what made this one different I mean we have um lots of conspiring men behind the scenes we have uh, political intrigue and and stuff behind different aspects of of things um anyway uh, and in a digital age when we have so much travel going back and forth i mean it spreads quite rapidly i mean there's there's lots of different things to it that i could see being uh, categorized in that uh unprecedented uh, uh area also, the fact that the temples are shut down during this—I mean, that was—that was a huge um, shakeup. You know, President Nelson had to, to make that tough decision uh, to, to comply with with local governments and, and things like that, and uh, some of the unprecedented measures that have come through there, implementing new systems, new ways of looking at it. When you posted about doing the book club originally about the Abrahamic Covenant. For me, it was because President Nelson told us to study it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What will, what, how do we let God prevail in our lives and, and what does that look like? Yeah, study Abraham. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Leslie. I had to see if I was muted or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm thinking broader. Um, um we i'm thinking of elder rasband saying that we are um the ones that are going to be that are not are going to be that are ushering in the second i think it was that, ushering in the second coming of the lord i think i think that's happening now i think it's a over many years um that's absolutely unprecedented and so I think speaking quite broadly about our 
our role in that and um, <clears throat> I just picked up the phone to message you Cameron like 25 different times this week <laughs> I, I don't have anything what happened I, well I was too busy <laughs> but <laughs> but my my um because it was it I, I should have just called but there was assuming that what I read was true about um I we can just put a pin in this one but I'll just put it out there and then and if you want then we'll um I'd have to go and 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 go back and find that but somebody said they were at state conference and that the 70 that was there and holler if anybody else has read this that um the 70 there said that um, he talked to President Nelson. Is this ringing a bell for anybody yet? And that he said that um, it's, it, some people think that the second coming is like right around the corner, but that it's not exactly that, but that we are... Um, and I'm, I'm so tired. I just, I just got back from a long, uh, from a trip. Anyway, that, um, that there's, that there's things that we need to do and I'm slaughtering this and I apologize, but I thought back to the basketball game that President Nelson talked about and how we're at halftime and my wheels just started spinning. It's like, okay, we are, we are halftime here. And so I'm thinking of the, I'm not big into timelines, but there seems to be a, a pretty consistent one that seems to fit to me. Um, so I'm like, when did this start? And to me, it looks like 2015 perhaps could have been the start. So I don't know, my, 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 wheels are just turning and um so i don't i don't know but i'm super curious and um just there's lots of lots of there's lots of things that he needs for us to do we came here to do them and and we don't have any more time to mess around mm -hmm. so yeah, a lot of President Nelson's phrases have went from in a future day to, to now. Now's the time. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, hell. Yeah, because I was, well, she was just talking about, you know, the area 70 and timelines and stuff. And I, I try, I discuss this with friends a lot. Some, you know, understand what President Nelson's saying. And I have a friend cannot convince. She thinks it's 20 years away. And I'm like, so I just wonder what you all think on timelines, not specifics, but in general, where you think it is. You know, a lot of people, I don't know. I just want to know what people think because the, the way the prophet and the apostles are speaking is definitely we need to be prepared and we need to be doing the things to get ourselves ready and prepared for his coming. And and if it's 20 years away, that's a long time. <laughs> I'm like, how can I, what do I say to somebody that thinks that? I mean, I don't know. What do you all think? You know, how soon? I mean, it's not like, Leslie, it's not around the corner. It's not like next year or the year after, but I think it's, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just want to know what you guys think. I think within five, which means it's going to be longer because aren't we told in the scriptures that we will um, be crying out for him to come and wonder why he's tarrying? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot that. Well, it makes me think that is it I think it is, it's going to be longer. So maybe I should just think it's 18 months away and then it would only be three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he's going to be here more than once. Are you talking about like the final, like, yeah, the final, where, uh, yeah the final where everybody, because okay. I was just listening to a video saying that, he, well, it said three times, but I've read other places that says he'll come seven times. 
And that means, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's within 10, 15 years or less, that means he's already come, I'm sure. And we don't know because didn't sister, didn't Wendy Watson say, what would you do if you realized the savior had already been here? Mm -hmm. Yes. I think she said that in 2015. Uh Uh-huh. Isn't it? Yeah. But the, the, the thing that makes me kind of think it's farther than maybe we think it is, is that we haven't even started building the temple in New Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a big thing. And that's, that's going to take a while. That's um, what my friend says all the time. <laughs> but so I just had but, this thought, so, but temple isn't what we think it is. What if it is already, right? That's what if it's the Jerusalem center and it's just going to be retrofitted or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that's not I the temple though. Yeah. Right. But the you temple know there, the, there's temple. Yeah. But the plans for the temple were revealed to Joseph Smith. Um, it's really a large, you know, it's a, a wagon wheel shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Where do you find that? Very... I've, never, I've never heard of that. Where's that at? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I New Jerusalem or Old Jerusalem? New, New Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Oh, I'm thinking Old Jerusalem. Okay, sorry. Yeah. No, was... yeah. New Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. So those plans have been um, revealed for a long time, and it's a huge, huge building. There's a room for each office of the priesthood, and um, it's kind of shaped as a wagon. Well, I'm trying to remember where I, where I mean, I it's described in, in pretty good detail in Visions of Glory, but um, yeah, I'm to find other. Yeah, there's a there definitely it's definitely somewhere in Joseph Smith's um, yeah. papers somewhere, but I can't remember exactly where. But that's kind of a that's kind of a big one. <laughs> and I, and I think that, I don't know, I've tried to wrap my head around everything that needs to happen. And it, it's so hard to follow because the Lord didn't lay it all out in one place. Right. So it's all over the place. There's this sign it's, and then you find another sign in this book and then it's over here and he didn't lay it all out. And I think he did that for a reason right mm-hmm. so that we so that there's we nobody knows the exact i don't think anybody knows the exact timeline i don't even think the prophet knows it i don't think anybody knows the exact timeline right mm-hmm. so i've just kind of been i i i the only thing that i think we can do is stay close to the spirit and go where if we need to go somewhere then we go somewhere or I don't know because I oh I have wondered that so much and I was really in that rabbit hole last Uh year (laughs) yeah I was just watching a video because I've saved tons of videos everybody's everybody's done a video on it and I know um, and I thought I have a bunch of books I should just sit and read them and try to make sense of all of it Mm -hmm. and see if anything meshes but but the apostles and prophets are talking about it a lot mm-hmm. more than they were. So, well, yeah, th- yeah, that's true. And they talked about it a lot when Joseph Smith was alive as well. Yeah, you know, but it will be the people that see Nephi's. Ago. We are the people that will see Nephi's vision. So right. I'm like, what's right. this? You know, what's that? That <laughs> I don't. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. It is really hard to say, and I think Heavenly Father set it up that way. Um, he doesn't want us to to know because <laughs> he just wants us to always be ready. Like I love what the prophet said. Always, well, I'm not saying we preparing. know the day and the hour, but I think we right. know the season, and because there's a lot of people that says there's appointed times. That ro- mm-hmm. is it, Robert? Is it Robert K? Mm-hmm. Or no, it's, yeah, he talks about appointed times. And um, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I just trying to put my finger on it. <laughs> I know. Just, just roughly I know. within, you know, four or five years of when I think it would be, you know, the general. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, know. I just don't think close. it's. 
You think Looks we're like close? Neil. Oh, Shannon. Shannon has a. Mm -hmm. Well, we're definitely close, but close is relative, right? Like, <laughs> like 20 <laughs> years close? That I, don't week, I don't know. <laughs> like, uh... Yeah, Shannon. Oh, I was just going to say, I've always felt like it's 10 years or less, or less than 10 years. Mm -hmm. But then um, my other thoughts were with the whole COVID thing, I feel like we took. 10 steps backwards from becoming a Zion people mm -hmm. <laughs> from yeah. all the division and everything that has it happened has done a number on us hasn't it so yeah. kind of like a wake-up call is you guys aren't like my church you guys aren't ready as you think you are <laughs> like yeah let's take a step back and, and let's actually build Zion in our hearts let's, let's get this under control the world is wicked There's... enough but we are not a Zion people yet mm -hmm. right yeah. I think COVID either pushed you towards becoming more of a Zion person or away from that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think that, that that's one of the great signs that it is getting very close in the fact that we're starting to get the warning signs. We're starting to get kind of like the Braxton Hicks, right, before it, it happens so that we can kind of reevaluate, get woken up and, and do all that stuff. Um, with all the timelines, you know, everything shows different years and stuff, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if we're 10 years or less, but, um, you know, who knows? <laughs> it, it, and it all kind of depends on which actual coming are you talking about, the, the final one or, you know, some of the, the previous ones, because, you know, I, I firmly believe that he has come a, a few times to, to different groups of people, but, you know, as it progresses along, we'll start seeing some of that play out. Yeah, I was thinking like the final one, you know, that will uh, usher in the millennium. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, McConkie just says, and I'm sort of hijacking your thing here. Sorry. Um, he said that, he, that the Lord will come regardless of whether we're ready or not. So mm -hmm. the people that are Zion people will be ready and the people that aren't, well, it's just kind of tough. Look, I guess they're out of the, you know. So it's whether you believe the Lord's going to wait for us to become a Zion people, which might take forever, or he's going to come despite that for the people who are the few people who are ready mm -hmm. and who have become a Zion people. So it's, I guess it's what you, what you think and what you believe and I don't know. And so, yeah, I think that the timelines are great. They're kind of a catalyst to, to help us get woken up, but uh <laughs> it's anybody's guess <laughs> yeah um so kind of piggybacking off of that you know timelines we we have lots of different things prophesied for the the end times uh, here in verse six where it he mentions the temple renovation needs to cover four different things earthquakes corrosion high winds and the inevitable settling and so i think that that's an interesting list of um of things i mean very specific right but then um uh, later on when in verse 29 when i mean he doesn't actually have to say this verse and and it doesn't seem like um it, it's not casual because yes it's it's kind of a, a funny quip but does president nelson do anything just to to get a laugh but he says my dear brothers and sisters when renovations are uh, on the Salt Lake Temple are completed, there will be no safer place during an earthquake in the Salt Lake Valley than inside that temple. It's not like if there's ever a, an earthquake in Salt Lake Valley, you know, here's a, a funny line, but he's like, no, like it's pretty prophetic. There's going to be an earthquake. We're preparing for it. And, and there's going to be no safer place in this valley than in that temple. And that's specifically one of the, the main requirements of the, the remodeling. Uh, earthquakes, corrosion, high winds, and inevitable settling. And anyway, that kind of set me off on, on a different study of, of the high winds. Um, looking at, at footnote E, um, it's interesting what he, he references there with Helaman 5.12. And so that when the devil sends forth his mighty wind, it shall have no power over us. Anyway, uh, that there's there's a lot of metaphor in the wind, but then there's actual prophecy of, of wind uh, and earthquake in, in the Salt Lake Valley. Anyway, I thought that was just like super interesting. I don't know why I had never focused on it before, but this time it was kind of playing out to me in, in a different way. 
But um, yeah, what else did you guys get out of the talk? What else stood out to you? Yeah, I, I really like the three things to ponder. The yeah. restoration is a process, not an event. And yeah, isn't that the truth? Which means a lot of things are still going to be changed. So don't get too settled. And number two, we learned earlier, I don't know, four or five months ago in this group, that the gathering isn't just to gather, gather, but it's to gather to bring the ordinances of the temple to the people. I thought is he just reinforced that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, and then he just reinforces the fact that the Lord's going to reveal more insights. You know, the ongoing restoration needs ongoing revelation. I thought, yeah, isn't that kind of exactly the right thing, right? He's telling us it's a process and we're having more revelation. Mm -hmm. So buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a lot of stuff to do. Um, kind of going right along with that um, footnote L, um, it comes from verse 17, but it applies to that one too. Uh, but toward the end of it, um, anyway, it's talking about how things are going to be revamped through the years and, and stuff like that. Uh, it says that he did not receive all the revelations that belong to this work. Neither did President Taylor, nor did Wilford Woodruff. There will be no end to this work until it is perfected. And I thought that was so interesting to, for, we're talking uh, Harold B. Lee, right? Mm -hmm. Or no, this is Wilford Woodruff, but he's being quoted right. Harold B. Lee. But anyway, Wilford Woodruff said that. It won't be, perf um, uh, there's no end to this work until it is perfected. And so all of the different revamps and changes throughout the years, I've never thought of it in that way because, you know, <laughs> having studied endowment and, and stuff, there's lots of fun symbolism to me anyway that has been taken out or modified through the years and i'm like huh it just seems like it's kind of getting almost watered down versus uh wilford woodruff saying here until it is perfected in its purest simplest form kind of a thing like huh it, it just gave me a new insight on endowment and uh, a different way to, to think about it I think it's in verse 28. I just, I just really thought that was so powerful halfway down. So he's talking about, I'll just read it. And to each of you who has made temple covenants, I plead with you to speak, to seek prayerfully and consistently to understand temple covenants and ordinances. And this is the part I'm like, if people don't get it, like mm -hmm. I don't know, spiritual doors will open. You will learn how to part the veil between heaven and earth how to ask for God's angels to attend you and how better to receive direction from heaven. Your diligent efforts to do so will reinforce and strengthen your foundation. It's just like when we talked about last week where the talk talked about twice uh, how to cast out or that we needed to cast out and people kind of goes over and they don't really pick up on it or whatever. And this one, you know, how many people are like, Oh yeah, we are supposed to see the savior, you know, strive to see the savior and part the veil in this life and to act with angels. Like, you know, you read in the Book of Mormon where they, I mean, multiple prophets talked about I had angels attending me. Why yeah. is that there? Because they want us to to do that. And yet we're like, oh, that's a prophet. That's not for me. And yet here President Nelson just said that. Ask for God's angels to attend you yeah it's amazing i was like i don't know the first part was really good but i thought some of the most powerful stuff was at the end mm -hmm. uh, verse 32 at the very end you are free to choose who you will be and with whom you will be in the world to come that's interesting because that's telling us we need to be someone i mean so that we're Somebody wants to be with us. Our spouse wants to be with us or whoever, you know? Yeah. Um, my mom tells a story about, uh, I think I told you guys this once before that the, um, she can't remember which apostle it was came to visit our stake back in the days when that used to happen. And the patriarch kept, they were all out with their wives and the patriarch kind of kept joking. Oh, Lucinda, you better, you know, or I won't call you. And she, and finally the apostle had enough and he goes, 
you better behave or she may not rise <laughs> when you call her. <laughs> that would be a interesting rebuke. I would. Yeah. And, yeah. And so here it is right there, you know, I don't know. I just, I just thought some of the best gems were near the end. Verse 23, if you can't go to the temple, I was, I remember watching it and thinking, oh, do um, indexing. No, rehearse in your mind the covenants you've made. Set a special time aside to go and think about that and rehearse it. I thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of like Wendy Watson's book, uh, you know, like, um, I think it was a pregnant mother or something, but anyway, and she's like, when you can't go through the temple, let the temple go through you. And, mm -hmm. and here President Nelson's going, yes, and do it regularly. Like if, if you have constraints, I invite you to set a regular time to rehearse your, in your mind, the covenants, you know, kind of reiterating what he said back in April of, of 2020, make a regular appointment with the Lord and keep it with exactness. You know, there's, there's an important principle there, not just going, but having a regular commitment to the, the Lord. And, and if you're not able to keep that because of some constraints, at least rehearse that in your mind. That, that's a powerful principle, I think. When, um, when we lived in Panama, we could, you know, we would have an English session once a quarter, maybe. So I was always doing it in Spanish for a while. I had the headsets on and then I was like, well, I know this well enough. I'm feeling more comfortable. I don't know Spanish, but I'll just listen to it in Spanish. And it would just, you know, I would have to go through and try to remember it, the whole endowment. But I remember there were nights where I would go to sleep rehearsing what I you know, rehearsing certain things in my mind, just in English, just to bring comfort and the peace that that, that brought to me mm -hmm. to do that. So, yeah. And I also think it, it's pretty prophetic, uh, you know, if temples do shut down again or, or anything like that and in the future that we have that advice that can come to mind, like mm -hmm. go through your temple covenants remember what you you did and it kind of made me think of like the pioneers coming west you know like of course that's what they were doing as they're trekking across those endless miles you know they just spent so much time in the Nauvoo temple uh receiving the the things and and then they'd have a long old period to just rehearse go through uh, in your mind really take time to to visualize and meditate upon the symbols and and covenants that we go through um, conversely, it's kind of interesting. I kind of miss hearing the endowment in Spanish. Uh -huh. And um, I have a time set aside where I go through it in Spanish too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot to be learned in, in languages of that. Yeah, so anyway. Um, I want to go back a little farther. Verse 11 was mm -hmm. um, really um, profound to me um, because you know, this was October, 2021, right? We were still, temples were, I don't, I don't remember if they were open yet. Were they open in October 21? Uh -huh. Last October, but they were, they were very limited in masks and right. the whole the vaccine was in our faces all the time, all that stuff. And and he says, we've been promised if we prepared, we shall not fear. And then he talks about this assurance has profound implications today. There was so much fear. Yeah. There was so much fear. Um, and then I love how he talks about despite today's unprecedented challenges, those who build their foundations upon Jesus Christ have learned how to draw upon his power. And have learned. Um, and then he uses this buzzword, need not succumb to the unique anxieties of this era. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anxiety, I, my 23-year-old and my daughter-in-law, who's also 20, you know, and my anxiety is such a buzzword. You have anxiety issues and it's such a buzzword. So it's super interesting to me. When I read this tonight, I actually copied and pasted and texted it to my son. <laughs> Cause I'm always trying to help him like deal with his anxieties. You know, when I was his age, I just, of course I had anxieties, but I didn't talk about it. I just went about my life and just did it. You know, I just, I, I yeah, life was, is like that, but 
So I just love how he talked about we have unique anxieties of this era. And he, it's such a huge acknowledgement of the fear and anxieties that people, especially when he gave this talk, it was just so, it was so prevalent last year, just mm-hmm. everything that was swirling around and the fears and anxieties. So that stuck out huge to me tonight when I read it. I just read it again tonight, but. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, like all the emotional resilience program and, and everything that's coming out to help tackle all of that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at verse 31, just to back you up. If you build solidly upon Christ, you have no need to fear. And another, he says it again. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Just trying to really acknowledge. Did you feel like <laughs> did you feel like in that verse you're talking about, Rossanne, that while he was talking about the pandemic, I kind of felt like he was talking about about future events like well yeah that too i'm sure you he was covering all i mean we do live in unprecedented times and it you know what was happening then it doesn't mean we're not gonna have fear in the future you know possible issues in the future but yeah for sure yeah this talk was an interesting one to go through with like three different sets of lenses like go through and read it just with the past in mind go through and read it with October 2021 in mind, and then go through it with, with only the future in mind. And it's, it's such a dynamic talk in uh, its prophecies and um, uh, the, in retrospect, you know, kind of looking back at things. Anyway, it, it's such an interesting one that way. It's very much a talk that he, I'm, he received. Yeah. And the way it's written and the and the prophecies and the way it's definitely what the Lord wanted us to hear for sure. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting to see how in tune he is with what's going on in today's world. My daughter mm-hmm. goes to BYU and I was listen, listening to a podcast. We were talking about BYU students going to the temple and how many of them are now anxious, have anxiety about it. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And here the prophet is talking directly at him, right? Yes. Yeah, that's why that stood out to me, because it's such a buzzword. Oh, yeah. And and collegiate Mm -hmm. and academia, where I'm at now, anxiety is everywhere. Everywhere. It's it's constantly talked about. Yep. It's It's just, yeah. And I, I think about I when I was 18, I left my home and went to Salt Lake all by and didn't know anybody to go to school. You don't think I didn't have anxiety? <laughs> nobody, yeah, nobody okay. talked about it. I just like here I go. It's time to grow up. I'm going to you know. Yep. It's so it's it's just so interesting. Yeah, I just don't understand having anxiety about going to the temple. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They just have anxiety about almost everything. I think it's the, I think it's the climate that we live in. I think it's the, it's just, yeah, very much a culture and the climate. And it's, it's kind of scary out there. Yeah. So we in Utah here right now have the opportunity to go see a life-size tabernacle. So I've signed up to go see it. It was in California, I guess, earlier. It's making its rounds, but it's supposed mm-hmm. to be live size. So I'm going to go see it Saturday. But it uh, walks you through the the veil, the Holy of Holies, the outside courtyard. And this week's t- uh, podcast talked all about the temple, both the tabernacle and the Solomonic and uh, Davidic temple, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just fascinating to me that most of the things that we get, the white robes, the sash, the, the, the headpiece, uh, the raising of the arms to prayer, all of that was commonplace um, in the old temples of the, of the Old Testament. And I just, it's just fascinating to see, you know, how we as a church have kept mm. some of these things up. We don't talk about them much. But boy, they are just 
spot on. Yeah. I loved his footnotes on those. Um, if we're looking on page 161, uh, both footnote D and E, looking in the Bible dictionary at the temple and also footnote E where he goes through and kind of reiterates a lot of that Bible dictionary stuff. Um, but just some of the history behind it. And then, you know, it, it kind of leads you down rabbit holes. Like if there's a question that pops up in that, then you take that and run with it and all the different references there. We have a lot of information about our current temple worship that's in the scriptures, but, but many haven't taken the time to like go read about it. You know, like <laughs> the first time you're reading Moses uh, five and six and you're like, oh, a lot of the, the new changes are in here or, you know, going through Exodus and uh, our washing and anointings and, and stuff like there's it all has a scriptural precedence and um, we can prepare in lots of ways. And we don't have to have just like full on anxiety to go the first time, like, you know, study it out. If, if yeah. it's just help. like the priests back then actually went in the street clothes into the temple and then changed into yeah. the temple garment. Yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating when you read and start to put this all together and, and think, yeah, boy, if this isn't the true church, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. Are you, are you talking about the Follow Him podcast from this week where the, um, I can't remember who the scholar was, he talked about temple literacy. Yep, yeah. It was fabulous. It yeah. Was so eye-opening yeah it is it's just phenomenal it really is yeah. i mean it's mm -hmm. just just incredible mm -hmm. it made me realize there's so much more i could talk about than i thought i could outside oh, yeah. you know we're so afraid that's the problem that's why the anxiety that's, they're like it's so secret and i don't know what's gonna happen and yeah um, so many members are that way I learned when I was teaching seminary that there's a lot that we can talk about that we never do. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you can. And a good job telling us that lie, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really goes in there. Yeah, so I'll just show you this, this experience. My brother, who he's just 13 men younger than me, so he's 49. But he, <laughs> if if he lived if he was translated now transplanted now as a youth he would have temple anxiety because <laughs> um my parents didn't really tell him tell us anything um my we my you know i i went through when we got engaged my husband and i and so he sat down and said okay here's kind of what happens in the temple like he prepared me my parents didn't <laughs> and there wasn't really temple prep classes and at that time, when you did initiatory, you were only in a, you know, the, what did they call it? Shield. Uh, shield. And right. my brother had, my brother had no idea. We went through the temple on the same day because he was going on a mission. I was getting married. And he was like, you want me to do what? <laughs> and he almost walked out of the temple. And my husband, who was my fiance at the time was, with him and he like pulled him aside he's like dude I know this is weird but you know and he had to talk him through it and I mean because nobody talked about it. I mean it was yeah. nobody hardly prepared us at all and he was all he was like I I'm out like he was <laughs> just about to just walk out of the temple yeah but so yeah. listening to that podcast I'm like okay there's so much more that I could prepare my next child that's going to be you know he's 11 but sometime he'll be going through and yeah i can say much more than oh yeah <laughs> it was dr matthew gray that's who it was yeah yep so yeah we should all listen to that it's fabulous it is yeah what were you saying alethea and then we'll go with mom Elder Bednar gave a talk about that in general conference about what we can talk about and what not to talk about. Yeah. How long ago? Yeah. But it's fairly it, it was mm -hmm, fairly recent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great one to review often. Yeah, Mother, what you got? Um, <laughs> this just reminded me this discussion of the night before I was married in the temple and I was young, I was 18. And uh, my dad, 
he took me aside and he started to tell me about I was going to be naked behind a shield, he said. And then he stopped and he goes, oh, I better not say anymore. And so that whole night, I am scared because I'm picturing a shield like, you like know, you're, you're fighting. <laughs> and, I thought, and, and we've invited all our family and relatives to this. And I, I don't this is going to be me. Anyway, I just about didn't go through with it either. It just scared me to death. You know what? I don't need married that bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Oh, <laughs> just, we just sometimes make it worse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's true. My just to add a little more to this story. My brother got home from the temple and took his garments off and put it. My my mom said, "Why did you do that?" He goes, "Well, aren't you only supposed to wear them at the temple?" Like he had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Just kind of oblivious <laughs> without proper. Nobody, yeah, there was no temple prep, but nobody talked to him. I think we're doing better. I think revelation yeah. needs to continue. <laughs> we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, one thing that really stood out to me, I don't know if anybody else listens to, to Robert Kay's videos on. Uh, uh, you know, just going through the, the Book of Mormon and, and lots of the different Hebrew layers to things. But um, the last one, this last week, I think it's number 11, and about the, the language of angels, the tongue of angels. And looking at President Young's quote here in verse 16, um, when I think upon this subject, I want the tongues of seven thunders to wake up the people. I, I mean, I, I've heard that quote before, but it never meant as much to me as going through Robert Kay's class. And I was like, Oh, what is he saying here? I, I think that there's a lot to that. I'll leave you guys to do that in your, your own time because it took me a long time to muddle through an answer to that. But anyway, what's what's his name again? Robert what? Robert K. His YouTube channel is called Mormon Yeshiva. And so he just goes through lots of different uh Hebrew layers to the Book of Mormon. Um, but anyway, his last one, number eleven, uh is about the the tongue of angels and all that that entails anyway it's a fun one but i think now i have a, a parallel with brigham young that i'd never had realized before but it was interesting that it, i came upon it almost the same time i just found those videos last night and was watching them all this morning i'd seen him speak on sisters mm -hmm. liberty but i didn't realize he had a channel too so oh yeah i've been devouring those yeah, they're so good. Oh my goodness. I mean, if it's your jam, like I've recommended it to some people and they're just like, that's so boring. And I'm like, that's all right. You know, that everybody's being led in their own studies at their own different areas. And anyway, I'm really into Hebrew right now. So it was just like speaking volumes to me. I, I am just amazed at how he knows what rabbit holes to go down yeah. to and how to connect together it's like because he has like a, a hebrew upbringing you know he was raised in rabbinical mm. school and all that kind of stuff so i mean he has so much knowledge about the um uh, the pardis principle that, that we've talked about before and uh, the different uh, peshat and sod and um, all the different levels mm -hmm. yeah verse 27 is kind of interesting we've recently talked a lot about in the church about the priesthood Mm -hmm. and the power being both with men and women right yeah and um he just kind of slips us in and he says i could if i could speak to each what man and or woman who longs for marriage and at the very end he says begin now to learn the experience what it means to be armed with priesthood power but, you know we used to think oh well, he's talking to the guys but now you know better he's not he's talking mm -hmm. to both yeah, I found that very interesting. So going along that, that section there, so verse 25 has an if, 26 has an if, and 27 has an if. Why do you think he presented the material in that way? Because that kind of breaks from his normal mode of, of operations or his, his normal speaking style. But if it were possible for me to speak one-on-one -on -one with every young adult, and then 26, if I could speak with each husband and wife, or if I could speak to each man and woman who longs for marriage. 
Like he does these three if statements, but they're all different. So uh, the first one, he says, I would plead. The second one, I would plead. The third one, I would urge. And then in 28, he then breaks out of the if and starts actually talking to us. And to each of you who has made temple covenants, I plead. So I, I found that very interesting, his pattern there. If, if I was speaking to this group, I would plead. If I were speaking to this group, I would plead. Uh, if I could speak to, to this group, I would urge. And then to each of you uh, of this group, I plead. I currently, in the moment, I'm pleading with you. I, I found that structure very interesting. I think it's going to take me some time to, to really break that down more. But um, well, he, he starts in 24 with the uh, and he says, I promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting, right? He starts it off with a promise. Yeah. That over time, the temple will become a place of safety, solace, and rest, uh, revelation. Yep. Good one. Yeah. And that one gets quoted all the time, right? Too. If you don't yet love to attend the temple, go more often, not less. <laughs> if you don't think to pray, then start praying more. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's the same deal. Yeah. If you don't know how to ride a bike, it's not, don't ever ride it. You got to get on that thing. You got to learn how to do it. That's how we yep. do things. That's life. Exactly. I just kept thinking, who doesn't love going to the temple? <laughs> okay. Okay. I take that back. When I went through the temple, there was no music. And I thought, this is so boring. And it was so hard for me to go. And then I thought, I guess this is the price I have to pay to get to the celestial room. <laughs> <laughs> so you were after the days of the hymns in the temple? <laughs> yeah, yeah, going through the long and dreary world because it was long back then too, <laughs> a lot longer. And I just, oh, so okay, I can, but now I'm like, how could you dread it? Because it's so much more entertaining than it was. <laughs> I love it. That's so funny. So in one of the podcasts I listened to, I really made a an, an aha moment for me because, you know, Christ is the one who gave us the atonement, right? You know, and then, you know, so have you ever wondered why is it when we go to the temple, we, we learn about Adam and Eve? Mm, yeah, that was my first question when I was going through the first time. So I was like, where's Christ? I thought Christ was probably to commute. What's that? Someone said something? Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe so, mine. So yeah, the, sorry, I think that was me. So how do you, I mean, how do you explain to a non-member the temple? Well, what's the temple about? What's about Avernese? But then during this podcast, I said something. I was talking to somebody earlier this week and and it's just the more that I go, because I try to go like every week now. And, um, you know, I, he said, you know, Christ is the one who gave us the atonement. The temple teaches us how to receive the atonement. Yeah. And I've never forgotten that. That just like hit me with, with lightning. And then I started and said, okay, well, then in the temple, they tell us to be like Adam and Eve, right? And so it's Adam and Eve who's receiving all these ordinances and all the priesthood. And of course, it doesn't talk about it in the temple that they receive an eternal marriage. But, but we know that they're receiving these, these ordinances and covenants, right? And if we're supposed to be like them, then if we're supposed to get the atonement and put that in our lives, then we need to do all those things. But I've never really looked at the temple that way before. It's just completely has changed my experience as to what I look for now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's all about receiving, learning how to access it, learning how to re actually receive it and apply that. Exactly. It's like, so instead of going through and getting bored, Alicia, now, now we go to receive, right? Right. <laughs> So it only took me 20, 30 years to figure it out, but hey, <laughs> it's not a race. 
I think that's why we stood up so much because we had to keep ourselves awake back then. <laughs> well, that's certainly why the Catholics did it. I'll tell you that. I grew up in Catholicism. Yep. Everybody arise. Let's wake up. Stretch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My husband, when we lived in Illinois, when we were first married, we lived down across from St. Louis and there wasn't a town in St. Louis yet. And so we had to go to Chicago. And he would say, oh, let's go to the temple. And I'm like, okay. And I thought, I will never be as spiritual as him because I don't want to go that. But I couldn't tell him that. So when I when we had our first son, I was finally relieved. I'm like, oh, now I can't go to the temple. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? So I can kind of I can kind of see it. But now comparing then to now, I'm like, oh, how could anyone not love going to the temple now? Because mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah. you know what, but if they never experienced what I experienced, then maybe they're experiencing now what I experienced then. Mm -hmm. I thought 32, verse 32 was pretty awesome. I remember joining the church and being told that, you know, this church is built for anybody to understand it. That's why in my youth, I was able to understand it, right? Mm -hmm. And... Um, he says his plan of eternal progression is not complicated. I mean, that's coming from the prophet. And then he says, and this is a great thing. It honors your agency. It's not going to force you. Mm -hmm. I mean, this idea that Mormons are forced to do stuff, you know, whenever I hear that uh, from all these splitter groups that, you know, want to go do their own thing and say that everything's going haywire and they're leaving the church. I'm thinking, boy, you just don't understand the doctrine, right? And then he says, you're free to choose. Then we talked about this before, right? Mm -hmm. Who you will be. I mean, who you, you know, are you going to become Christ-like or not? And who do you want to be Christ-like with, right? But mm -hmm. just think of that. It's, why do we make this so complicated, guys? <laughs> exactly. Because it's not. One thing that we we do pretty well. <laughs> we, As Mormons, oh yeah, yeah, we know how to complicate things. It is amazing how complicated we want to make it seem. Yeah, and and yet it's not. I mean, that's right from the prophet's mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Leslie. Okay. Um. <clears throat> um. We, uh, it's been mentioned, and this this has been mentioned. Sorry, this one's a hard one to share. So, um, it's been mentioned a few times tonight about, um, you know, that there can be difficulty in going to the temple, um, and there can be, um, you know, like we go and we love it, but it so it's hard to understand why other people might not and it's only for me it's only been within the last several years that <clears throat> that i have felt um actually it's been it's been since my husband's passed away so less than five years that i felt like the temple was for me and it was um, that i felt at home there i used to feel unworthy even though I wasn't and I didn't understand for a really long time that it had to do with um, just childhood stuff with I mean and, and I'm not attributing um, saying that this is everybody's situation because that's that it's not but there are so many things that we don't understand there's I have I have run across a shocking amount of people that truly have PTSD and um, not going to go down that road, but what that's just one thing. There can be um, childhood abuse that is, hasn't been addressed that can cause people to um, not, they, they feel in inherently bad and of no worth. And it, it, it affects how they they feel as a son or daughter of God and something else that 
I've learned more recently is about all that, this generational stuff. I really believe that there's, um, uh, hold on, I got to plug in. Um, that there's a lot of generational issues that are, the young people are tasked with help, helping to clear up and clear out. And so it's going to lay upon them heavily um, so that they know it's there and that they have the opportunity to clear that out as the Lord will um, lead them to that if they, um, I think we can pray for them to be able to do that. So I think there's a lot that's, um, so a lot of reasons that they might actually have anxiety. There are um, that we haven't realized, and so we can pray for them that they will be able to um, rise to it. Because we know the adversary doesn't want them to go and doesn't want them to feel comfortable going. And so that's my big old serious bit there. So mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. It's interesting how we have so many different angles, so many different backgrounds and, and stories and things, and we're all coming together and being one in the temple in a, a, a new Zion-like way. And, you know, sometimes that, that might not be the, the same experience for, for everyone. I think that that's a great point. So there's a one-liner I learned the other day from another podcast I listened to. It said, how I treat the Sabbath is how I feel about the Lord. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, what a great way to express that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just kind of looking back at your life, you know, like different, uh, I, I do that for myself anyway. Uh, looking back like, huh, yeah, I did, really didn't care about the Lord very much during that phase because <laughs> the Sabbath was definitely not a priority or anything. Um, anyway, how that evolves over time as we, we do learn to love the, the Savior in deeper ways. Well, it's hard to understand if you really study the prophet in his talks, you know, how you could ever think that he's not a prophet. I know. That's one of the, I mean, not that I had a problem with it before, but like a lot of people are having a problem with, with him as a prophet. It's like, oh, these talks are, are amazing, solidifying, foundational things in a testimony of a living prophet who who knows and and is seeing and receiving uh, continuing revelation for the church i mean there's absolutely no doubt in my mind uh, and all it takes is going through his talks you'll be able to to find that i mean hopefully you'll be able to find that uh, as you go through it but oh his wife is sure certainly given us some insights and that hasn't she yeah like i have to leave the bedroom now and you know he's going to get a revelation and you know he talks to the lord and i mean She's given us more about prophets than any other wife that I know of a prophet. Yeah. It's been fun to, to see all of the witnesses that have been called to witness of his prophetic mission at, at these end times. Yeah. Um, anything else in, in this talk that you'd like to go over? I mean, there's, there's so much we could study it all. <laughs> Long, but uh, all of those footnotes i highly encourage deep diving in each one of them and even the footnotes that have footnotes i mean there's lots of different ones that reference other scriptures as well but uh, so good um so for next week we are all three of the groups are going to be studying the same enzyme article um, it's going to be the future of the church, preparing the world for the Savior's second coming. Um, if you have my compilation of the Book of Nelson, it is, what is it? Oh, uh, chapter 40, and it's on page 103. Uh, if you want to study that one, or if you're looking just on the church website, it's going to be in the April 2020, right? Just a second, let me let up before I forget. Start quoting something else. 
Yeah, April 2020, Enzyme Magazine is where that's found. Um, chapter, chapter 40, page yeah, chapter 40, page 103. So everybody's going to be on that one next week. The week after that's going to be the Restoration Proclamation, and then we're going to split back up and uh, cover some a few more talks to end up on but but yeah it's such a fun ride i i love studying president nelson's words was this a conference talk no this one's just an enzyme article that he kind of okay. slips into the radio so it was uh talked about a lot when it first came out uh especially on like masa's group i mean everybody was talking about it and and all the different things that he was mentioning in there and so uh a lot of people voted to, to go back and, and revisit that one since we might not have had an opportunity to talk about it. So yeah, it's just an Enzyme article um, from that April 2020. What's it called? It is called The Future of the Church, Preparing the World for the Savior's Second Coming. Future of the Church, yeah, just put it in the uh, search engine for the church's website. It's not coming up yet. Um, the, the future of the church, right? Uh -huh, yeah, the future of the church, preparing the world for the Savior's second coming. So let me pull up a link to it. I've got it here. Let's see. All right, here's a, a link to it directly in the chat if you want to click on that. And you said uh, it's April 20, what? April 2020. 2020, okay, sweet. Yeah, in the enzyme, not the Leohana. Yep, yep. Good, I've got it, thanks. All right, well, if there's anything else? Oh, um, Stacy Evans had recorded, um, if anybody's ever, sorry, that's kind of glaring, uh, Seen with an Eye of Faith from Grant Von Harrison. It's just a, a tiny little book, it has four chapters, but she's nice. recorded the audio for it, or just her reading it much like Aletheia is doing for four donations. But anyway, it's available on Learning Zion uh, if you just go under the, the book recordings. Um, anyway, I highly recommend it. It's been such a fun journey reading that this last week. Um, His other book is like totally awesome called right. Drawing on the Powers of Heaven. Uh -huh, yeah, so this one's the sequel to that one. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, is Aletheia's um, voice um, recording up? Uh -huh, yeah, so on I, she has like what four or five chapters left to record, but yeah, all of them are up underneath their their different chapters there. That's all I have. What is four or five chapters? Wow. Uh huh. Yeah, you're kicking butt. You're <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> so, well, I've taken a break the last week. I get going. <laughs> hey, what's the name of Thank that book you. again? This one. Yeah. Seen with an eye of faith. Thank you. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's all about accessing the, the mind's eye and learning how to use it. And um, anyway, it ties in a lot with, with forward nations. We'll be discussing this one a lot in our next group. But. Sweet. When is the four ordination? I don't have it on my calendar. I have the, the uh -huh. communication so one, and I thought that was the same are they the same day? No. Um, so the ham radio one is not this Saturday, but next Saturday, the 14th. Uh-huh. 14th. And then the four ordinations, we're doing it on the third Saturday of each month. And so it's on the 21st. And what time? Um, both of those are, are 10.30 a.m. on Saturday. Mountain Standard, oh, good. right? I didn't uh -huh. have it for the 21st. Third Saturday. Okay. Yeah. So how do we get the link for the third Saturday? Uh -huh. So it's just the same link as, as this one. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah, we're Thanks. going through the Four Ordinations book, and uh, the Four Ordinations book is located on Learning Zion um, on the actual website there. 
Yep, yep. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. This right. Saturday is the um you said this Saturday is the ham radio? Next Saturday. Next Saturday, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the 14th is ham radio, 21st is for donations. Okay. Yeah, I think I've okay, there it is. No, and then every Saturday is Isaiah Dakota. <laughs> It's, yeah, so you're doing that again, huh? Uh, yeah, we're doing it. Me and my mom are hosting it for the actual Isaiah Institute. Uh, what are we on? Chapter four or five? Somewhere along there. We're just what headed time? into Design Jerusalem or on five. Yep. What time is that? That one is at 9 a.m. Okay. Sweet. Oh, time. Look for the Isaiah when you have to go through the Isaiah Institute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they like you to sign up through them so they know who's all there and stuff. Yeah, it, it's run a little bit differently, but, you know, <laughs> we're a little bit lax. We run it how we want, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it's been, fun. it's been fun to get to know a whole new group of people. And anyway, I love it. We have some from the UK, Finland, and Africa. Anyway, it's a fun group. In Australia, isn't there one from Australia? There was supposed to be, but but they never did show up. Um. All right. Well, we will see everyone next week. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Thank, Thank you. you. Good night. Good night. See ya.